Good morning, Brinesburg. It is good to see you on this Sunday morning. And again, we gather together for one purpose, and that is to lift up and glorify the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And so glad to have you here this morning. For those of you joining us through television or through Facebook Live, I am Brother Brad Walker. I'm the pastor here at Brinesburg Baptist Church, and we want to welcome you. So glad that you've joined us on this Sunday morning. And for those of you on Facebook Live, if you will, there in the comment section, let us know you're there by putting your name and any prayer requests that you might have, and we will be able to uh, communicate with you that way, but glad to have you. And maybe this is your first opportunity to be with us here at Brinesburg in our worship center, and we're glad to have you today as well. And if you'll take that card that's in front of you out of the pew and fill it out, and then place that in the offering plate that's in the foyer on the large round table, that helps us to know of your attendance, but more important to us, it helps us to know how we can minister to you and your family, and we are very glad to have you with us this morning. And uh, this is a special day, a couple different things going on today. Uh, one of those, as you'll see on the front of your bulletin, this is Sanctity of Life Sunday. And certainly as Southern Baptists, we believe that the Lord God, uh, He is the giver of life, and He determines the beginning and the end of life. And so from conception to natural death, we believe that life is sacred. We believe there is something special about humanity, and that something special is the fact that we have been created in the image and in the likeness of God, and that He has made us different than every other part of creation because He, he made us, He built us, He put us together uh, with His own hands, and so life is sacred. And because of that, we protect life. And so we have the opportunity uh, throughout the year to be able to do a lot of things to be able to protect life. Uh, we thank the Lord for our Crisis Pregnancy Center, the Hope Clinic here in Benton. And I always encourage you to give and, and support them and know about what that ministry is uh, to, to girls that find themselves in crisis pregnancies. And um, so we, we continue to pray for the uh, opportunities to be able to love on folks and, and to point them to life. Also today is our Bags of Hope Sunday. And uh, we praise the Lord for the ministry of Bags of Hope uh, right here in our own community, an opportunity uh, for us to love on folks that are struggling. And I need a little bit of help, and we're able to help with food items. We're able to help with um, hygiene items. We're able to help with clothing. And I praise the Lord for that work. And uh, every, every year on Bags of Hope Sunday, we talk a little bit about what that ministry has done in the past year. And so there are the numbers of, of folks that have been helped, the number of, of things that have been handed out this year. 2,720 people were ministered to through Bags of Hope, and 489 of those were new clients, new folks that have been ministered to right here in our own community. Uh, 41,294 food items uh, were distributed, 2,661 loaves of bread, 2,591 hygiene items, and the gospel has been shared with 330 people. Amen? And out of those 330, we saw five salvations. And we praise the Lord. We praise the Lord for salvations. We praise the Lord that as we meet physical needs, it opens up the door for us to be able to meet the even greater spiritual need within the lives of individuals who are hurting. And so uh, we thank the Lord for bags of hope. We thank the Lord for the opportunities that it has given us to be the hands and feet of Jesus right here in Marshall County. Um, notice in your bulletin a lot of other things that are going to be going on 
uh, this morning right after the morning service. So right after this service, uh, we're going to be having a meeting with parents and grandparents of children in, in grades second through fifth. Uh, those kids will be eligible here this summer uh, to be able to go with us to Crossings for Kids down at Jonathan Creek and uh, be a part of camp. And so if your child or grandchild or maybe you are the one responsible for getting a particular child to church and you'd like to know more information about how they might be able to go to camp, uh, come to that meeting. It's any child that is involved in Sunday school, if they're involved in Center Shot CIA on Sunday nights or on Wednesday nights with Team Kid, then they're eligible to go if they're a regular attender of, those, of those, one of those programs or all of those programs. And so we would love for you to be a part of that. There is a $75 deposit that'll be due, uh, but always a wonderful week, a week that impacts children, and uh, we always see kids come to know Christ, which we rejoice in, and so uh, if you want to know more about that, that'll be in the choir room, in the choir room right after the service. Uh, also notice that our ladies uh, are going to be having a coffee, cake, and comedy and conversation night on the 30th, that'll be a Monday night, and so if you would like to sign up for that, uh, sign yourself up, and anybody you think you might be inviting, just so there's a little bit of an idea about numbers, of how to set up and prepare for that, uh, but that'll be a great night, and I encourage all of our ladies to go, and I encourage you to bring another lady that would be ministered to uh, as well. I also want to remind you that our uh, Operation Christmas, Christmas Child team will be meeting on February 18th, and that'll be from 1230 to 3 over in the Activities Building, and so a lot of other things going on, a lot of things to sign up for, things that pertain to you and your family, and so make sure you see those and uh, you're a part of that. Also, uh, we continue to have many on our prayer list and certainly know of many who have even had to have procedures done this week and are healing up from that, and that's the reason they're not with us this morning. And it just seems like we still have a lot of those nagging illnesses going around, uh, things that our kids are getting and uh, others are kind of getting just sick here in the wintertime, and so uh, that affects us in our classes and in our services, and we certainly want to pray for those folks to be back with us very quickly. But most importantly, we want to pray for the lost. Uh, we want to pray for those that don't yet know Christ as Savior and Lord. Maybe that's you today. Uh, maybe you've come this morning, and you know that you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, that can change today. He loves you, and he wants you to respond to him by faith. And so if that be you today, then I, I pray that you would come to know Jesus. But many of us have at least one that we're praying for, for a gospel conversation, for an opportunity to invite and bring to church. And so uh, let's continue to have, have that individual on our heart and on our mind, and let's look for that opportunity even this week to be able to minister to them as well. With that in mind, let's go to the Lord and pray together. Lord, Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your great love. We thank you that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet in rebellion to you, that you loved us enough to come to us, recognizing that there was nothing within us that would cause us to ever try to get to you. You came to us, and you lived a perfect sinless life, and you died on the cross of Calvary for us to pay our sin debt. And then you rose again, on the third day, defeating even death itself. And because of that, we have opportunity to come. We have opportunity to have a relationship with you. We, we have this access to you in prayer at any time of any day. And we thank you for it. And Lord, I know there are many needs today. Lord, there are many situations and circumstances on our hearts and on our minds. And Lord, we lift those up to you today. But most importantly, we want to pray for the lost. We want to pray right here at the beginning of our service that those that don't yet know you as Savior and Lord might recognize 
that coming into relationship with you is simple. It's simply recognizing our sin and our need for Jesus and turning to you. And so, Lord, I pray that that might take place today, that salvation might take place during this worship service, that it might take place today, that it might take place this week. Lord, that your name might be lifted up and glorified through lives that are being changed for eternity. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
This morning we recognize the many needs around about us and perhaps you've come into this place with a need on your heart. Uh, and here at the very beginning of the service we want to give you an opportunity to be able to spend some time just you and the Lord and, and getting your heart prepared for what the Lord might want to say to us today. And so we're going to have an opportunity. This, this altar is going to be open if you want to come and you want to just spend some time here in prayer. Uh, maybe there at home, that chair, that couch that you're at, make that an altar and just spend some time you and the Lord. But whatever the need may be, let's give it over to him and allow him to deal with it. Not trying to take it back up again, but trusting him to meet our every need. So with every head bowed, with all eyes closed, we want you to know the altar is open at this time. Would you come? Once again this morning, we thank you that you know every need in our heart and in our life. Lord, you know the needs in greater detail than even we ourselves. And so, Lord, we trust you. Lord, we give it all over to you. And, Lord, we, we know that you can take what seems like a tragedy and, Lord, you can turn it into a triumph. And so, Lord, we pray today that you might show us next steps, Lord, when we feel like we can't take another. And Lord, this morning we do thank you for ministries within our community uh, that are meeting people at the place of their need. Lord, we thank you for all of the ways that there are ministries within our community that are meeting needs of hurting people when it comes to crisis pregnancy. And Lord, we thank you for our long-term care facilities, for our folks that find themselves at the later years of life and need help, Lord. And Lord, the honor and dignity they are given in those those places and lord we thank you for the folks that work in those areas and lord help us to from natural conception to natural death recognize the sanctity of life lord we thank you for the ministry of bags of hope lord we thank you for the lives that are being touched and the needs that are needed being met and most importantly lord that when folks come and lord maybe they're needing a helping hand but lord they're given more than just that Lord, they're being ministered to, and Lord, their spiritual needs are being met, which is their eternal need, and Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, now as we continue in this time of worship, Lord, have your will and have your way. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I ask everyone to stand. Lift our voices. This song says, shout to the Lord.
searching through the ashes of the person that I was. When devastation came, I found my strength was not enough. A light stood shining on a hill through tears my eyes could see. Upon the path I saw that there were others just like me, broken vessels just like me. Oh, but God builds churches with broken people, burning people, with searching people, and somehow these imperfect people find strength to make it through. And the broken become brand new. They have come from everywhere, from every walk of life, each one beneath the traveler's load of pain or guilt or strife. They have come to seek his face and in his light they bow with shattered dreams and broken hearts but in his hands somehow with loving hands somehow God builds churches with broken people with hurting people with searching and somehow these imperfect people find strength to make it through and the broken become bright. Thank you, Brother Tim. I don't know if you've already read my sermon notes or something, uh, but that just is a perfect lead-in to what we're going to be looking at this morning. And if you will, turn with me to Genesis chapter 9. Broken people. 
God's grace allows us to be used by a holy, holy, holy God to do things that in and of ourselves we can never do because God chooses to use broken people. I don't know about you this morning. I don't know about you, but I know I am thankful for the grace of God. You thankful for the grace of God? Man, I need it. I'm certainly grateful that God gives me grace and mercy instead of what I deserve because I know what I deserve. And sometimes I look back at the past week and I basically want to just crawl under a rock (laughs) because I feel the weight of all the mistakes and the missteps and the misspoken words. And I understand Paul's feelings as he writes to the Romans in Romans chapter 7 verse 15 for that which I do I allow not for what I would that do I not but what I hate that do I does that sound confusing because that's the way our, that's the way we feel isn't it the things I know I should do I'm not doing and the things I don't want to do I feel like I'm always doing Paul's like there's just this conflict and confusion in my heart and in my life I need your grace God And as much as we would like to be perfect in our and as fallen humanity, we need the grace of God. We're in constant need of the grace of God. And we see here in Genesis chapter 9 that even after the flood, sin had not been completely washed away off the face of the earth. It was still present even in the life of Noah and in Noah's family. And so... As much as that was true in the lives of Noah and his sons and and their wives, it's true this morning as well. We need grace. And the good news is this morning, God is still, even this morning, offering us great grace. And I'm thankful for it. Let's pray together. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. And Lord, this morning, even as we look at the life of Noah and his sons, and Lord, the failures, and Lord, your grace, help us to recognize that we need you. Lord, those of my brothers and sisters in Christ that are here today, I pray that you would stir our hearts to be all the more thankful. And Lord, for my friends that don't yet know you, I pray that they would say yes to that grace. Say yes to a relationship with you. Lord, I know I'm a very weak vessel. Hide me behind the cross that only you'd be seen and only you'd be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you will, please stand with me this morning in honor of the reading of God's word. And let's start together in Genesis chapter 9, verse 18. And the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem and Ham and Japheth. And Ham is the father of Canaan. And these are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. And Noah began to be a husbandman, and he planted a vineyard, and he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tents. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and he told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders, and they went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. 
And their faces were backward, and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine, and he knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. And God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years, and all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. You may be seated. Noah and his family had to leave much behind in order to enter into that ark. They left behind their homes and their extended families. They left behind their friends and their neighbors. And all of it was washed away and destroyed by the flood. However, we see here in Genesis chapter 9, in verses 18 through 29, one thing that was not washed away completely was their sinful nature. It was still very much intact. And even after seeing all that had happened to the rest of creation because of the curse of sin, we see that the first recorded activity right after the flood is a sinful one. Noah plants a vineyard. And Noah takes the grapes of that vineyard and he makes wine and he goes and he gets drunk off of that wine. This post-flood climate is much warmer than before the flood. And so Noah, in his drunken state, we're told, takes off his clothing and he tries to sleep off his drunken condition. Ham, Noah's son, then sees this situation and desires to revel in it. He thinks, I have called him now. And so we're talking about Noah and his family. Noah. This is the most righteous man that God could find, and yet we still see great sin in his life and in the life of his family. This once again reminds us of the truthfulness of Paul's words to the Romans in Romans 3, 10 through 12. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Even the most righteous, listen to me this morning. Even the most righteous need a Savior. I'm afraid some of us believe that, you know what, I'm a good Southern Baptist. Even better than that, I'm a Brinesburg Baptist. I mean, come on. And if I'm sitting in this pew, and if my spouse, or if my mama and daddy, or if my grandparents are a member here as well, then I'm going to heaven. Not so fast. Because if you die, and the Lord says, why should I enter, let, allow you to enter into heaven? And you say, because I'm a member of Brownsburg Baptist Church. He's going to say, and what else? Anything else to offer? And if you can't offer the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you can't say, I have a personal love relationship with him, you're not getting to heaven. Even if you are a member of Brownsburg Baptist Church. 
the most righteous still need a savior and even after the flood water could never wash away the sin of this world it would still take the blood of the savior jesus christ himself and so look with me at verse 18 and this is your first point in your bulletin we see noah's three sons noah had three sons and their names were Shem, Japheth, and Ham. Ham was the youngest. And these three sons fathered the three major people groups in the world even today. And clearly that means that all of us can ultimately trace ourselves back to Noah. And so Ham was the father of Canaan. And you say, okay, why does it make that so much a point throughout this particular stretch of scripture why does he time and time again refer to ham as canaan why is that important it's important because israel is about to go into battle against the canaanites who are living in the land that they have been promised by god to occupy that is to be their land and so if they were to battle these people and listen to me if they were to understand the commands of god to annihilate these people they would have to understand the very beginning of the wickedness of these people. What is going on with these people? And sometimes it is our lack of biblical theological understanding that oftentimes causes us to question God. Why would God call the Israelites to kill everyone? That just seems so barbaric. And, that, and that's, that's how we feel. We tend to want to soften our God and make him more palatable to our Western culture ideal of right and wrong. And we want to label God chiefly as loving. And we want to forget that God labels himself as holy, holy, holy. God knew that the Canaanites were an evil people. The Canaanites' hearts were desperately wicked. Just like their original father Ham's heart was a wicked heart. And if they allowed anyone of that wicked tribe to live, God knew what would happen. That they would go and they would intermarry with those Canaanites. And that ultimately the Canaanites would turn their hearts away from God to those false gods. How many, we have, how many of us have seen that? We see somebody, they marry an unbeliever, and they're like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead them to Jesus. And it ends up they lead them away from the church. And it happened in the life of Israel. That's exactly what happened time and time again. When the Israelites didn't take God seriously and they would go and they would intermarry with the peoples of the land, with the Canaanites, it would turn their hearts away from God to these false gods. We see it even in the, in the life of the wisest king in the history of Israel, of Solomon himself. What was his downfall? He intermarried and he brought in these wives that led him to foreign gods and led his heart away from the one true and living God. But then secondly, look at with me at verses 20 and 21. This is your second point. Noah's new vineyard. Noah's new vineyard. Just like Cain, if you'll remember back, Noah's produce got him in trouble. It would seem after the earth has been flooded, it would seem after you only have four men on the entire earth, that one would grow something a tad bit more substantial crop-wise than grapes. I mean, 
that's just me. I would think that you'd want to plant some kind of vegetable or some kind of grain. But no, Noah says, let's get some grapes. And so he plants a vineyard. And we don't know why Noah grew grapes, but we do know that they got him into some big trouble. It seems that Noah grew these grapes. He took the grapes, he pressed them, and he made some wine. And then Noah drank that wine. And then he drank some more and some more and some more. And Noah became drunk. And even this righteous man stumbled. Noah, even Noah stumbled. Even Noah needed God's forgiveness. No matter who you are, listen to me this morning. No matter who you are, you are not immune from sin. I am not immune from sin. And so we better make sure that we are in the word of God on a daily basis. We better make sure that we are spending time in prayer because we are not immune to sin. And that thing you say you would never do, you get far from God and you'll do it. Oh, I would never be like that person. I'd never do that. You want to bet? You allow Satan just a little bit of room and he'll tempt you. And then you won't take too much because your flesh will just draw you in. And you will sin in that same way. That's, that was the, that's the testimony of Noah. He needed grace. But then thirdly, look with me at verse 22. This is your third point. Noah's son's sin. I'm talking about Ham here. Again, Moses makes it very clear that we're talking about the father of the Canaanites, that we're talking about Ham. Moses wanted to make that clear to the children of Israel who, who the father of these Canaanites was. And what is the great sin here in this passage? Ham, again, is reveling in his father's shame. Have you ever had an unbelieving friend? And maybe you've had an unbelieving co-worker. And they seemingly were elated when they found a sin or a shortcoming or a hardship in your life. Something happened to you, something happened in your family. They seem to be elated. And they say things like, well, <laughs> looks like Christians get tickets too, huh? Or maybe they said something like, looks like Christians' kids get in trouble too, huh? Or maybe, or looks like Christians use bad language every now and then too, huh? And they, they seem to want to make you the standard. And so if you lower the standard, if your life doesn't live up to exactly who Jesus is, then they're a little bit more okay. And so you're not perfect. You're not a perfect person. You're simply a forgiven person. And the sanctification process is still ongoing. And yet there are those, some of them are family members, that look for our slip-up moments. They're watching closely. They're hoping that they can point us out as a sinner just like them. Point out us sinning to lessen the seriousness of the sin in their own lives. And the problem is, is that, that what they don't understand is that you and I are not the standard. The Lord Jesus Christ, he is the standard. And he never slips up. And so it seems that Ham celebrated the fact that his righteous father had finally tripped up and sinned. So what's the backstory? We don't know exactly. But perhaps during that time of building the ark, perhaps, like kids can be sometimes, maybe Ham was a little bit embarrassed about his dad. 
Maybe his father embarrassed him a little bit. Maybe he thought, why can't you just be like every other father? Why can't you just not worry so much about what your God thinks and every little thing in life having to be brought up to the standard of this God that we worship? Perhaps Ham wanted his father to just sit down and and, and have a drink with him so that he could point to him as being no better than anybody else. Maybe that's what he'd been looking for. I, I certainly know personally. I know of men, I know of godly men who have had children who have left and gone off to college or started their career and threatened to never come home and to never go back to church unless that godly father would sit down and have a beer with them. That's what they wanted. Unless you sit down and have a beer with me, daddy, and act like a normal person, I'm not going to that church again because they want that standard lowered. It doesn't have to be drinking. It doesn't have to be that specific thing, but it's, it's just wanting to see the standard lowered. They want the standard lower so that they can meet it without having to pay the price of obedience and sacrifice of making the standard Jesus. So Ham should have covered up his father's dishonor, but instead he chose to point it out to his brothers. Ham very easily could have done exactly what his brothers did. He could have gone and he could have covered his father like they did without looking and and put a covering over him. No one would ever have known and he could have kept that quiet and, and allowed his father to to have honor, but instead Ham mocked him and pointed his dishonor out to others. He wanted to point it out. He wanted others to know. Do you know people like that who always desire to point out others' dishonor? That is a sinful heart. That is a wicked heart. I know people, how many of you have ever seen people online that that was their pastime, pointing out other people's mistakes? We got folks, even in the Southern Baptist Convention, that's kind of their full-time job, is they get online, they're those keyboard warriors, and they want to find anything that that somebody might have done wrong so they can point it out. And they think that that's somehow very, very spiritual. It's wicked. God calls us to bring our brothers and sisters to Christ that find themselves in dishonor, to, to bring them back, and to bring them back in grace and in love. Do we have to sometimes address issues in people's lives? Yes, but we we need to do it in a way that is filled with grace and love. Not filled with us trying to lift ourselves up and puff up our chest and say, I would never do that. This is just how Shem and Japheth did. They they brought honor to their father. And so that's their fourth point. Look at verse 23 and we see Noah's son's righteous act. So what was God's response to Adam and Eve? When they sinned, what what did he do? He covered them. When they had brought dishonor upon themselves, God comes and he covers them. He covers their nakedness. He covers it to honor them. God will always cover us and invite us to come back into fellowship with him. He doesn't say, "I, I can't believe you did that. You could never be forgiven now. No. He always says there's, there's blood to cover that. I can cover that. And I can wash it away. He invites us back into fellowship. It is the enemy. It is Satan who desires to point out our sin and cause us to think that our shame is known by everyone so that we hide from God and we hide from the family of God. Listen to me. If you've slipped up, you've done just like the rest of us. None of us are perfect, including me. And if there's a sin in your life, you come. And you say, you know what? I need help. 
and you're going to find love and you're going to find grace. Don't run away. Come close. Shem and Japheth took great pains to protect their father's honor and to cover their father's nakedness in a modest way. And they took a blanket and we're told they put it over their shoulders and they walked backward with their faces turned away and they covered their father, never allowing his dishonor to be seen. And that's the example for any of us who seek to minister to those who have dishonored themselves, who have, who have found themselves in the midst of sin. Look to minister in a way that is filled with grace and love, never looking for something to share as a gossip piece within the church family, not to put it on social media for everyone to know about. We should hurt when our brothers and sisters in Christ hurt. We should never feel ourselves to be greater or superior compared to their sin. No, what hurts them should hurt us. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. But then fifth, look at verses 24 through 29. We see Noah's blessings and curse. Ham, or here referred to as Canaan, was cursed to be the servant of his brothers. This was speaking of Shem or Israel who would conquer Canaan and conquer people in Scripture are always referred to as servants. Sin has consequences. And we see here that the, the sin of Ham had consequences and those consequences would last literally for generations. But notice that Noah blessed the Lord of Shem. And let me say that again. He blessed the Lord of Shem. Noah would bless Japheth personally, but he would bless Shem's God. This is the first clue that is given to us that, it is, that it'll be through the line of Shem that the Messiah will come to save the people from their sins. That he would come through Shem. He would come through Israel. Israel was chosen chiefly not that they would be blessed but rather that through them that God might be blessed, that God might be glorified. Likewise, we are chosen. We're chosen by God. We've been grafted in, not chiefly that we would be blessed, but rather that through our lives, God might be blessed. So when we live like Christ, we point others to God, and they're coming to him, them being saved and becoming a part of the family of God, the family of God growing. It glorifies him. And it brings honor to his holy name. Noah blessed Japheth to enlarge. This blessing has come to pass in the fact that really most of the world's population can be traced back to Japheth. Our descendants can be traced back to Japheth. However, we dwell in the tents of Shem. What does that mean? Our blessing. Our blessing of knowing Messiah of knowing Jesus Christ, came through the descendants of Shem. Without the blessing of the coming of Jesus Christ that came through Shem, no one would be saved. First to the Jew and then to the Gentile. We are Gentiles. And so, this morning, today, would you accept the blessing that God has so graciously extended to you? Maybe you have come this morning... And maybe you're one of those who's here, but you really feel like you're too far from God for him to ever be able to save you. 
And maybe this morning you're saying, Brother Brad, I, I hear what you're saying, but you don't know my sin. You don't know my past. You don't know what I've done. God doesn't want any part of me. Maybe, maybe you're here and maybe you honestly think you're okay because you come from a good Christian family and you are at church enough that you believe that you're okay. You say, Brother Brad, I, I, I'm a good kid. I, I'm, a, I'm a good loving husband. I'm a good loving wife. I'm, I'm a good attender of church. I mean, what more do you need? And you really think you're good enough to be okay. You're wrong on either side of that coin. If you want to be saved, it'll be through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are neither too bad to be saved or too good to need Jesus. You're simply lost. And only a personal love relationship with Jesus Christ can save you. You're not so far away that God's grace can't reach you. And you're not so good that you don't need it. You're lost and you need Jesus. And I don't know how I can say that more simply because I say it week in and week out and it seems like it's hitting deaf ears at times. If you don't know Jesus personally, you're lost. And there's no other way to say it. You're lost. Regardless of how good you think you are, regardless of, of what you think is going to make you okay, you're not okay. You're lost. You need Jesus. And so this morning, the, the question comes again, as it comes every week. Will you come to him? Will you surrender whatever it is that, that you're holding on to as an excuse? And will you simply come to Jesus? He's waiting. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. Will you come? Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. And we thank you for your great grace. Lord, we need it. We desperately need it. Every single one of us needs it. And Lord, I have some friends today that need it desperately. And Lord, I pray that they would humble themselves and say yes to you. Lord, if there's a family that recognizes that they need to be a part of this church family, Lord, I pray that they would come and they would say, you know what, let us, let us come. Let us uh, do whatever is necessary to be a member here at Brinesburg. Maybe there's somebody right now, they're wrestling, knowing that they've been called to ministry. They've been called to serve you. In, in some capacity of ministry and they're struggling with that Lord I pray that they would be obedient and they would come or some of us may just need prayer I pray that they would come come to this altar and just give that need, that burden over to you Lord you know the need on every heart move as only you can it's in Jesus name we pray, Amen